Well, during this Advent season, we are studying the various I have come statements given by Jesus. And we're doing so to help us understand why it should matter that Jesus came to earth and put on flesh and was born in a cattle stall some 2,000 years ago. And last week, two weeks ago, we saw how Jesus came to seek and to save those who were lost. And last week, we saw how Jesus came to serve and give his life up as a ransom for his children. And I believe the better we understand these statements by Jesus, the better we will understand and experience his transforming power and what he accomplished in coming to earth and taking on flesh. And so this morning, we're going to look at yet another reason why Jesus came to dwell among us as we look at John chapter 12, where Jesus says, I came to bring light to the world. So let's go before him now and ask him to bless our time. Would you please pray with me? Heavenly Father, as we have just heard sung, it is our cry that you would come and speak to us this morning. Emmanuel. For Lord, if your Holy Spirit does not come this morning, we acknowledge that we can hear from your word, we can sing, and we can leave this place and we may think, well, that was a nice service, and remember it no more. But yet if you would come now with power, we could be changed and transformed and we might leave here some saying for the first time that I've seen Jesus. He's converted me. And I understand the gospel. For others, we'll have conviction of sin. And we'll grow in intimacy with our Savior who covers that sin. And so Lord, we acknowledge we need you to come now. And we pray that you would do so for our good as weak and helpless people in need of having our hearts stirred by your truth this morning. So Lord, we pray these things in the matchless name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You know, I've been thinking this past week about the absolute necessity of light. Have you ever thought about what our lives would look like and be like day to day without light? Because light means so many things to us. Right, we travel by light. We have traffic lights that tell us when to stop, when to go. We do our jobs by light. We accomplish all the tasks that we need to and that we're responsible for, having light to see. We get our food by light. You know, our bodies maintain good physical health because of light. We have vitamin D from the sun, and it's good to be out in the light. You know, we avoid dangers like falling into cliffs or running into walls or tripping over one another. Or if you're a parent, you avoid stepping on one of those dreaded deadly Legos of your child in their room. You know, about everything that we do is organized around our ability to see what light shows us. And light has the amazing ability to reveal what otherwise would never be understood or enjoyed. Like the beautiful array of the colors of leaves changing or flowers that bloom in the spring or sunsets that we behold in the evening. You know, throughout the scriptures, light and darkness are consistent themes that we find. And it's especially true in the book of John here. And since we're kind of parachuting into John this morning, we haven't been studying it, I want to give us just a brief context and background to kind of what's going on surrounding our passage this morning from John 12. So Jesus has made his triumphal entry into Jerusalem 
And he has told the people that he's going to go to the cross and die. And so these words that he gives here in John chapter 12 are really his last words of his public ministry before he retreats to go be alone with his father and then ultimately goes to the cross to die a criminal's death. And so this morning, we're going to study further the reasons why Christ came. And we're going to simply investigate here from John chapter 12 the problem that man faces and then the solution that Christ provides and then the so what. Why does it matter? Now, in Jesus' last public discourse here, he addresses the Jews, and many of these Jews had heard uh, Jesus speak his truth. They had seen his uh, miracles that he had performed, and they didn't believe. Then there were others who had heard him and believed in him, but yet, because of opposition and fear of that from the Pharisees, they didn't proclaim their faith in Christ publicly for fear they'd be kicked out of the synagogue. But we see and we're told that Jesus boldly and passionately cries out to this audience as he calls them to faith in himself. And he explains his mission for why he came and why the Father sent him. He says in verse 46, we see very clearly why he had to come. He says, I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. Jesus came because of the grave problem that no man can fix. And that's the darkness of man's heart. See, from the beginning of the world, we see that light was the first word in creation. God said in Genesis 1-3, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light and he said it was good. By God's own word, light came in and overtook the darkness as he was bringing order from chaos. But soon after, the man and the woman that God created fell into sin and ate from the tree and the fruit that they were told not to. And sin entered into the world. And the result is a world full of brokenness, a world of darkness. And we see the extent of this as Moses writes in Genesis 6, 5. He says, The Lord saw the wickedness of man's heart was great in all the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. And therefore the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him to his heart. The wickedness, the darkness is pervasive. It's all-consuming because of sin. And so this darkness that Jesus refers to in verse 46, he's, it represents this spiritual ignorance, this blindness because of the sin that entered the world. Darkness stands for man's enslavement to sin and evil. And every one of us is born into this darkness. By nature, we're controlled by the desires of this world and our self-gratification for our pleasures as opposed to the light of Christ and the one who created this world. We didn't have to learn to love the darkness. It's in our nature to pursue our sinful pleasures and the desires of our hearts. Our hearts instinctively, they want to produce these depraved, sinful acts that Paul speaks against in Ephesians 4 and the beginning of Ephesians 5. Things like lying, anger, bitterness, malice, envy, and pride, sexual immorality, covetousness, and deception, just to name a few things that he lists. 
See, in the darkness of our own hearts, we don't want anything to do with the light. It's not that we're indifferent and we don't really care. No, we're adamantly opposed to the light of God. And there's no shortage of examples of the ways that we love the darkness. Sexual abuse scandals. Cheating Olympic athletes. Pill companies that pay doctors to promote their pills. Lawyer who defrauds the social security system over half a billion dollars. Or adultery in a marriage of one of Hollywood's elite couples. These are just a few of the headlines from this past week. You know, it can be easy for us to try and relegate that darkness out there and say, yeah, it's out there, I see it on the news, but not to see that it's very close to home in our own hearts. Because we don't have to look any further than our own hearts to see that we too love the darkness. Consider the thoughts that our minds run with when we have idle time. Thoughts of lust, jealousy, revenge, Thoughts to scheme up ways that we can gain more power and influence and admiration from those around us. Thoughts that we'd never share with anyone else. Not to mention the actual sinful acts that we do and the words that we say in hopes that we can maybe just put them aside and, and that they'll, we'll forget about them or somehow they'll just go away. But no matter how hard we try to hide or suppress the guilt and the shame of our sin... We can't shake the fact that our hearts are plagued by the cancer of sin. And we're helpless to cure it on our own. In Mammoth Caves up in Kentucky, there's uh, fish that live in the waters deep within the caves in the dark. And they love this darkness that the caves provide. And since uh, these fish have adapted to the darkness over time, they've gotten to where they can't see. So these fish have eyes, but they are can't see because they've been in darkness for so long and so they're useless to them this is the reality of the human heart that's so accustomed to living in the darkness of sin and is blind to the truth of God Paul writes in Romans 1 he says everyone knows that God exists by the way he's revealed himself in creation but yet man suppresses that truth and trades that for a lie That's what John means in John chapter 3 when he says the light has come into the world but men love darkness rather than the light because their deeds are evil. So you and I have a problem that is going to kill us and leave us separated from God for all eternity. But God, knowing our helpless estate and our own slavery to sin, provided the only solution that was powerful enough to overcome this darkness. And the solution was to shine forth his light into the darkness and overpower it. And that light has come in the person of Jesus Christ, his beloved son. So Christ came as light to free us from our enslavement to darkness. But notice what John says here, what Jesus says. He says, I, he doesn't say, I have the light. He said, I came as light. See, light is the opposite of darkness. Light means life. Jessica and I have been enjoying watching uh, the TV series This Is Us, and I was reminded of the last episode uh, from Deja, one of the characters, her school project, a photosynthesis. And in photosynthesis, light means life, right? Because you know that green plants take water and carbon dioxide and other minerals and they convert it into oxygen. 
And so if there was no light, there would be no photosynthesis. If there was no photosynthesis, there would be no oxygen for us to breathe, and therefore, there would be no life. While death means darkness, light means life. And Jesus is proclaiming to the Jews and to us this morning that in himself, he is light, and therefore, he's the source of life. Christ as light means that he's the, all, the measure of everything that is true, and so there's nothing that can be understood outside of the light of Christ. And so God sent forth Christ to be light. He's shown his, dark, his lightness into the dark, and only through Jesus coming and taking on flesh can we experience and know the knowledge of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Jesus says earlier in John chapter 8, he says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So what Jesus is saying is all of life stems from me. So if you want to live, if you want to truly live, you have to turn and you have to follow me. Christ has come as light, but the world walks in darkness. It hates this light. So how then can the light of Christ shine in a world of darkness? In other words, how can a hardened heart that craves and loves and is comfortable with the darkness, how can it come into the light of Christ? Well, Jesus says you must believe in me. In our Old Testament reading, we read again this week from Isaiah 53 because John, uh, just before our text, uh, earlier in John chapter 12, he quotes from Isaiah 53 And in there, Isaiah is speaking of the coming Messiah, but he's also lamenting the fact that there are many who are not going to believe in this Messiah that comes. He says in verse 1 of Isaiah 53, Who has believed what they heard from us, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? And then he goes on to quote Isaiah 6 later on in verse 42, excuse me, verse 40, and he says, He, God, has blinded their eyes, and he's hardened their heart, lest they see with their eyes and understand with their heart and turn and I would heal them. See, because our eyes are blind to the truth of God and our hearts are hardened by sin, it is God and God alone who can open our eyes and remove the scales so that we might believe in the person and work of Jesus Christ. It's a work of the Holy Spirit alone to allow us to see our need that we have to be rescued and to find that need met in Jesus. And as the Spirit begins to bring us to a place of longing for the light of the gospel, our response is to respond in faith to the one who gave us life so that we could have light and life. And responding in faith to the light of Christ means receiving Christ and then in the way that he's revealed himself, receiving in his person, in his character, and in his redeeming and saving work. And in responding by faith to the light of Christ, what happens is we once again have a renewed relationship with God where it was once severed. It's now been made whole because of Christ. So trusting and resting by faith in Christ is the only solution to combat our hardened hearts. But the problem is, is we try to search for other lights to light our path and to guide us. Things like popularity, or our possessions that we have. Or things like alcohol and drugs, pornography, other religions or other philosophical ideas out there, our grades, our money. But all of these things, anything outside of Christ, are mere cheap substitutes that at the very best provide us with momentary satisfaction. 
But at worst, they enslave us and keep us in the dark. If you want us like to come by faith, children, coming to faith in Christ is not like buying an Xbox or a PlayStation. You see maybe on an advertisement on TV or maybe uh, you see it online and they have you know, an Xbox or PS4 and it's, I mean, it's an incredible deal. Cheapest price you've ever seen. So you start getting really excited. I'm going to finally get to have one of these things. The light is dawn. And so you decide you're going to go down there and see about the deal. So you and your parents go down there. Then you get down there and you begin to realize that there's some darkness in the deal. It doesn't come with controllers to use. It doesn't come with games. And so the deal is really full of darkness because you can't really enjoy the console without having the gaming controllers to control the, the figures. And you can't enjoy it without having any games to play. But children, when you come to faith in Christ, he's not like that. You don't get darkness, half-truths, bait and switch. He's full of light. He's all that your hearts need. His light has proven to be reliable, and he promises you peace and rest when you come to him. And in him, you will find freedom that you're longing for and hope out of the midst of the darkness that you've been in. Because Christ alone is the pathway to eternal joy. Christ has come to bring light and in him there is no darkness. We don't have to search any further in the things of this world because the light we need to live by comes from God and his son. Okay, lastly, we need to answer the question, so what? Why does this all matter? How should this impact us? Why should we be different because of this reality? Well, first, if you're here this morning and you're not a believer in Christ, the scriptures tell you that you remain in darkness and you're in bondage to your sin. The question you have to ask yourself is, what are you going to do with your guilt and your shame before a holy God on that day of judgment? For there's nothing that you can do. Psalm 49 says that you cannot pay the price for your life. It's too costly for you. So I beg of you to throw yourself at the feet of the cross, begging for the mercy of Christ as your only hope, that he lived the life that you were supposed to live, that you failed. And find hope in him. Because the danger is the longer you wait and you tarry, you risk him hardening your heart, as we just read, and removing all hope of turning and coming to him. You ever notice how when you see the blue lights flashing in your rear view, or maybe you hear the siren, you have that kind of initial gut response of nervousness, like, what did I do? Even if you didn't do anything wrong, you just kind of feel that way because you see the lights. But yet, if you find yourself broken down on the side of the road, in the dark, and the cold, when you see blue lights flashing, it's a welcome sight, isn't it? Well, only when you realize your need for God's mercy and that Christ is the only solution for you, Will you welcome the light of Christ in your heart? And so if you're not a believer here this morning, will you turn away from the light and go back to the darkness that ultimately leads to death? Or will you turn to the light and find the life that you were always meant to live? Because in the light, you will find hope and direction for your life and purpose. Or maybe you're here this morning, you have trusted by faith in Christ. 
Well, the fact that Christ has shown His light into your heart, this changes absolutely everything in your life. As Paul says in Colossians 1, he says, He, Christ, has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of His beloved Son. There's a transaction that has taken place. You are different. So this changes the way how we pursue things. It changes our relationships and how we relate to one another. It changes our priorities and how we spend our time and our energy and our resources. Everything about us changes because the reason that Christ came was not just to cover our sin, as great as that is, but He came to conquer sin and to do away with it once and for all. So Christ came not only to justify us, as glorious as that truth is to make us righteous before a holy God, but He came to sanctify us and to not leave us where we were and to change us to look more and more like Himself. So for those who have been brought out of the kingdom of darkness into Christ's kingdom, I want us to consider, as we close, four ways that we continue to walk in the light of Christ that He calls us to. First, first way we walk in the light of Christ is by cultivating a lifestyle of repentance for sin. So we continue to walk in the light when we grow more and more to hate the sin that we commit. Not to try to justify why our sin was not that bad or why we're better than others because we weigh our sins versus others and compare ourselves, but to call our sin for the heinous wickedness that it is and name it as such. And not just the big sins, not just the things that are out there that we recognize, but even the inward sins the small things, the the apathy that we have towards our Savior, our thoughts that may never come out of our mouths. So we have to agree with God's assessment of our sin and turn from it by utilizing the Spirit that He's given to us in order for us to walk in darkness and battle the remaining sin that lies in our hearts. See, in this life, we're never going to reach perfection. There's always going to be remaining sin that is going to gnaw at us. But the beauty of God's light is that He shines it in the dark places of our hearts to expose that, to bring it to the light so that we can see it as God sees it. And we can deal with it the way that God deals with it. God's been shining His light into my own heart and revealing things that are not pretty to see. Revealing the ways of my idol of loving comfort and loving ease in this life and seeing that those decisions that I make often are based on that comfort. They come at the expense of ministry. Come at the expense of engaging with people like you, the congregation. Of engaging with people in my own community. Of engaging with my own family. And having these things exposed, God brings us to a place where we can see it as ugly. But the great thing about it is that He does it to expose us, not to humiliate us, but to restore us. He desires for us to be freed from the shackles of our shame and our guilt. And there's many of us who have sin that is, we've hidden in the darkness. We've kept it there. 
hoping that it will go away. And it continues to level accusations against us, trying to condemn us once more. And we live under a weight of guilt day in and day out and shame. So that's why it's so important that we confess our sin to God. We have to bring our sin into the light because when we bring it into the light, it can't have any power over us anymore. It's useless to come at us with its accusations. And when we confess our sin, we are assured that we have the forgiving blood of our Savior to cover it and cleanse us from a multitude of sins. See, one of the greatest signs of maturity in the Christian life is a deep and abiding brokenness over our sin. Because as believers, we should live with these dual realities. On the one hand, we live with the reality that there's great joy in this life because Christ has forgiven us of our sin. And He showers us with an abundance of His grace day in and day out. And His mercies are new each day He gives us to live. But on the other side, there should be great grief because we still live with remaining sin until Christ returns that day and does away with it once and for all. See, each time we run back to the shadows of darkness and we pursue those sins of various kinds, we have to confess those things and be reminded that He has removed me from that darkness and brought me into the light of His truth. That's not who you are anymore. You're not defined by those past sins. You're a son and daughter of the living God if you've placed your faith in Him. And so you can live out of that truth. This is what Paul says in Ephesians 5. He says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of the light. The second way that we walk in the light is by meditating on God's truth. See, what hinders our intimacy and our fellowship with Christ is when we walk in darkness, yet though He's brought us into the light of His truth. But what preserves our fellowship is when we meditate on the truth that He's revealed in His Word. And so we have to cultivate a love for and a consistency in the Scriptures if we're going to walk in the light and reject the darkness of our sin. It's the only way possible. We wouldn't go into the darkness of the woods at night without a flashlight. Be silly, right? Unwise. We wouldn't drive down a back road at night without headlights in our car. So why do we think as Christians that we can manage this life on our own without utilizing the lamp of God's Word that He's given to us? But so often we think, I I can manage this, and if I get in a real pickle, then I'll, I'll call on Him for some help and guidance, but I can deal with this. The psalmist says, no, you can't because the, Lord, the, word, the Lord's word is a lamp unto your feet and it's a light unto your path. It's what you need for a life of godliness and righteous living. Very often when I find myself in a season of struggle with sin or spiritual lethargy, more times than not, it's related to ways that I've not been feeding my soul upon the truth of God's word and reminding myself of his promises. Maybe you're here this morning, you're in a season of wondering why you're struggling with various sin patterns that kind of keep repeating themselves. The first thing we have to ask ourselves is, am I neglecting the very means that God has given me to shine light in my life, to guide me in how I'm called to live? 
John 1 tells us that Christ, who is the light of the world, he entered into the darkness of evil and death and unbelief, and the darkness didn't overcome him. But how often do we neglect this light that he's given us to light our path? Are you seeking to grow in grace through the light of the gospel that shines in God's word? Are you walking in the light of His gospel by weighing your thoughts and your words and your deeds by the scriptures? Are you doing it by your own whims and your own opinions and thoughts? Are you living with a keen sensitivity to the Holy Spirit's leading in your life so that you experience joy and peace? The reality is we will not pursue the pathway of light apart from an ever-deepening dependence upon Him in the scriptures and meditating on His Word because we'll retreat back to the darkness and back to our sin patterns. Thirdly, we walk in the light when we preserve unity within the body of Christ. John expounds upon this in 1 John 1, 7 that we read for our assurance of pardon. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Unity is preserved within the body when we learn to believe the best in one another. And know that we're going to fail one another at times. Most times innocently, not on purpose, but sometimes on purpose and intentionally. But if we're to walk in the light, we have to see that the light of Christ has forgiven us of much. So I can extend grace to others and forgive them instead of bad-mouthing them to others in the community. Instead of harboring a grudge towards them. Or maybe just picking up camp and going to another church because relationships get messy. That doesn't bring unity. It brings division. The only way that we can forgive one another and that we can love one another in the midst of all of our brokenness and all of our mess is if we're both walking in the light of the gospel. Because if one of us is not walking in the light of the gospel then relationships are going to be impossible to sustain because one of us is going to be not basing our lives upon the truth of God's Word. We're going to be blinded because of the darkness. And therefore, we have to be willing to risk. We have to be willing to call each other back from heading toward the darkness, to come back to the light by speaking truth in love with one another. And we have to be willing to risk to go beneath the the comfortable, surface-level relationships that we often enjoy actually be willing to go deeper to say hard things and welcome hard things to be said in your own heart so that we can actually have relationships that are full of depth and intimacy and that really harbor and and harvest this unity among the body of Christ lastly we walk in the light as we carry the light of darkness into the world Now that Christ has shown his light into our hearts and removed us from the darkness, he's called us to go out and share that light to others around us. See, just as Christ has revealed the Father to this world, he says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Now he says, we're called to go and reveal and show that to those around us who are still walking in darkness, who need to hear the light of the gospel. This is the command that Jesus gives in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, you are the light of the world. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. 
But the reality is, is we're going to be tempted every day, just like John talks about for these Jews that Jesus was addressing. It says in verse 43, they love the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. And I have to confess before the Lord often of my own, even as a minister of the gospel, my own complacency and fear of sharing the truth of God's love. And pray for boldness and courage to speak that when he gives me opportunities instead of squandering them. Are we proclaiming the glorious truths of the good news of the gospel to those that we interact with each day? Or have we grown complacent and letting our light shine before our neighbors and our coworkers and our classmates or family members that need to hear the gospel? Are we willing to allow the opinions of others keep us from pronouncing and proclaiming this gospel that has impacted and changed our lives. See, for the world does not know Christ, he will make himself known to many in this world, and he's going to do that through the means of his people. And so may we unashamedly proclaim the name of Christ in word and in deed to a world that desperately needs to hear and have their eyes opened to the glory of Christ. And one of my favorite Christmas carols is O Holy Night. And we don't typically sing this as a congregation because it's a really hard song to sing. And my children hear me sing this often and tell me to stop because it sounds so bad. And I'm not going to sing for you this morning. But the first verse of that song, it says, Long lay the world in sin and error pining. We don't talk like that. We don't use the word pine, at least I don't think many of us do. What does that mean? To pine or pining is this painful longing, it's this regret. And So the, the song is saying the world before Christ came was trapped in error and sin and pining after its painful longing. Darkness ruled. There was hopelessness. It was pervasive throughout the world. Then it goes on. It says, a thrill of hope. The weary world rejoices. Why? For yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Christ has ushered in a new day. Because he's shown his light into this world. We don't have to live in darkness anymore. You can come out of the shadows and out of your fear and out of your shame. Because he's delivered you from that darkness. And he's come, and the darkness has not, nor will not, overcome this light. So you can walk in confidence. Because if you're in Christ, his light is in you, with you, and going before you. So you can go in confidence because Christ has come as light to bring you life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, When you called us to obedience, we sought after other things that we thought were more fulfilling and satisfying than you giving yourself in fullness to us. And because of that, darkness pervades over this whole world. But you didn't leave it and neglect it, but you came and did something about it. At the expense of your own son, you sent him down to this earth to fix the problem that we had fouled up. 
And we thank you for the grace of Christ that comes to sinners like us who want to run back to the darkness once more after you brought us into the light. Lord, would you remind us of the great cost that you went to on the cross to redeem us so that we would not have to go back to the darkness anymore. Would you free my brothers and sisters from the shackles that many of us still remain in because we think that we're not worthy and that you're not looking upon us with joy as a son and as a daughter. Would you free us to walk in the light that you've called us into? And for those who have not believed upon you by faith, would you bring them, convert them this morning as they see that there's the only hope they have is to be brought out of this darkness through the work of Christ. Lord, we thank you that you have come and that you are coming again to do away with sin and death once and for all. And we long for that day, but while we wait, would you give us the strength by your Spirit to walk in this truth and walk in this light And would you give us a hungering for your word so that we might live by it and bring glory to you in what we say and what we do and what we think. We pray this in Christ's matchless name. Amen.